Hello, everyone. This is Jerry Reese. I'm a writer, director, animator, sometimes sculptor and voice actor who is talking to you from the Skull Rock podcast. Have fun. Skull Rock podcast, talking all things Disney with your hosts, El John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock podcast, where every week, we check out all things Disney with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and much, much more. I'm one of your co-hosts, Al John Go. I am a big fan of pop culture, also a big fan of the mouse, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and you can contact me, Al John, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard. I'm a artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music and Audible. And you can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you'd like, you can send me an email at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Just do it. And uh, yeah, and you know something? We answer those emails. I have to tell you, you yeah. know, we always do. We're always good about that, aren't we, Al? We love, we love it. So just, just give us a shout. We'd appreciate it. We'd also appreciate if you give us those reviews on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, rather, and just, uh, I'm so used to just saying iTunes, you know, it's just, yeah. I think it's just me, but <laughs> yeah, give us those reviews. Every little bit helps on the algorithm as it were. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Especially you first time listeners that are finding us for the very first time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, Al John, I have to tell you last uh, Sunday after we did the show, uh, I went to see, uh, the African queen yeah. with Humphrey Bog Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, uh, on the big screen. That's awesome. I restored, it, it was a print that was restored in 2009. It was a digital presentation by the way. And, uh, it was fantastic. I I have to tell you, uh, I just love going back to the movie theaters. I hope I don't have to curta curtail that much uh, with um, the Delta variant uh, now on the upswing, but hopefully uh, not. Uh, I, I've been managing to uh, go to the movies at least once a week since uh, Memorial Day weekend. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, going to the movies as well, at least for the drive-in. Got a you know, got, got the kids and the kids. Yeah. Um, I, I think I may have told you they turned one and two respectively. Um, and the, the kiddos are getting the, at least the little boy is getting all of his teeth. He just got his first, his third tooth in this Ouch. morning. So yeah. So he's a little ornery, but, uh, yeah, it, it I, we want to be respectful to all theater patrons. So we'll, we'll just keep them in the car, <laughs> keep them in the car with we'll the windows. The up. That's right. That's right. We'll, 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 we'll get the air conditioning going and everything, but you know, that's great. Uh, I was going to ask you about the African queen. I mean, how is the sound? That's what I want to know. Do they you know, the entire, it? the entire experience was, was 
was reasonably good uh, once they got it going. Uh, I have to tell you that this Regal uh, Edwards Cinema that I go to, uh, it's just uh, beyond me uh, what they're doing, how they're running it. Uh, The show was supposed to start at three o'clock. It didn't start until 10 after three and it started 10 minutes into the film. What? Then Then they had to stop it and start it from the beginning. I mean, it was just craziness. I mean, you'd think that they knew how to operate the equipment there. It, it was just, it was very frustrating. One, but once it got going, the film was fantastic. You know, <laughs> got a little rusty, Dave. They they didn't re- remember how to use that digital projector of theirs. You know. <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you, Al John, we we have a story coming up uh, in our news, and I'll elaborate a little bit more on this experience. No problem. Well, before we get into the news and headlines for the week, we also have a great guest of yours, another one of the Cal Arts greats. That's right. He's part of the Cal Arts Mafia and uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff DeGrandis. He's a producer, director. He's worked on some really fantastic shows like Dora the Explorer and uh, uh, SpongeBob and uh, just a ton of projects. He's worked at a bunch of different studios. I'm looking forward to having him on and chatting with him about his career and what's going on in TV animation. Yeah, I'm just a little familiar with Dora nowadays because of the kiddos. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I totally get it. Well, let's launch into the news. Skull Rock Podcast. This week in Disney and pop culture. Pixar at number one. Nielsen's movie chart. Now, is this new? Like, you know, the streaming chart? Nielsen's got a streaming chart? Absolutely. You know, wow. These these uh, ratings companies have to, have to continue to evolve. And they've got to be able to come up with some kind of rankings uh, for what people are watching on these streaming channels. Right on. So they are seeing an uptick of 9% during its second week of release. According to Nielsen's ratings, it's the family film for Pixar. Disney is easily one of the top 10 most watched movies. I'd say, what is it? 1.71 billion minutes of watch time versus 1.1, uh, 1.51 minutes over the prior week. So, they are just uh, apparently they're killing it. Number one, top of the charts. So, yeah, that's uh, Luca, and you've yeah. seen it, right? Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah, I what think, do you think? I love Luca. I think it's a it's such a heartwarming story about being yourself, and um, I love all the characters in it. And I think from the moment uh, the movie started, you know, I, I always come in with you know relatively decent expectations. First of all, Disney Pixar, the bar set pretty high. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I'm, I'm in for a good treat. And it just blew every one of my expectations away. Very touching, heartwarming. And it does. It does have a lot of heart. I love it. Great. Uh, I'm still annoyed that I can't see it on a big screen. Right. But I, I will eventually watch it. I, I'm going to begrudgingly watch it on Disney+. Plus, But I would have preferred to have seen it in the theater. Well, speaking of something you've seen in the theater, how about Black Widow? Looks like uh, Disney's release strategy anger cinema owners following block 
a box office underperformance. Cinema chains say say uh, it's been un- underwhelming, according to the Independent. This is a little clip that you sent me, Dave. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? You know, I have to tell you, these guys are whiners. The National Theater Owners Association, uh, or the North American Theater Owners Association, and they use the acronym NATO. I know, I mean, right? Come on. I mean, don't, don't confuse me with the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. That's horrible. Out loud. That's horrible. You know. Yeah, it's terrible. But but I have to I have to tell you though, Al John, uh, the cinema owners have no right to be angered by this. You know what they need to do? They need to improve the experience. And right. I'm speaking about what happened last week with the African Queen. I alluded to it earlier. It was it, it was a complete. Um, a circus at the theater trying to get the movie running. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous, you know? And uh, and I have to say the theater owners need to step up, step up to the plate and make a great experience at the theater because what Disney's doing, and I applaud Disney for dropping their movies day and date on Disney Plus and at the theaters because they're giving the viewers choice. The audience right. has a choice. And if the theater owners don't step up to the plate and improve their experience, people are going to choose their living room uh, uh, over going to the theater. So what do the theater owners need to do? They need to to absolutely improve the experience of going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I can. Uh, the parallel can be drawn with events and concerts. Concert goers are, you know, the, the bands that are performing, whether you're an independent band or big headliner, they're vying for those dollars because everyone's going on the road. They're making tickets cheaper. They're putting big headline uh, packages together with multiple bands who could easily sell out arenas anywhere in the world together to give fans value. And, um, and I think they can do the same, you know, and of course, NATO, if you will, gosh, horrible acronym, um, is citing the fact that the film not only has been pirated and torrented, you know, but they're saying, you know, the it's been, you know, they're not making their money because of the simultaneous release with Disney Plus and theaters. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash. Look, everybody, if you want to see the movie, you're going to find a way to see it. This is not good. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, recommend torrenting anything, but you know, that that's every movie though. It's ever come yeah, out. And, and and they're just a bunch of whiners. Uh, yeah. That's all I can say about it. Uh, instead of instead of putting their energy into putting out these ridiculous press releases, uh, what they need to do is they need to talk to their theater owners about stepping up their game. Because when it comes right down to it, people are going to go where they're going to enjoy themselves. Well, and. Yep. Yeah. And and I just have to say, if you're going to have, you know, imbeciles running your theater and they can't get the projectors working properly and you're starting a movie 10 minutes in uh, (laughs) and you're angering the audience and people are going out to talk to the manager and then coming back and the movie's already started from the beginning. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, to have that kind of an experience, especially when you're paying a premium price like I did because it was a fathom event. 
Yeah, I don't um, understand. I don't understand. How do you start a movie late? You know, it's not like I, you're I'm, you're watching I'm, Guns and Roses, Dave, and then all of a sudden Axl Rose decides that he's going to come uh, in like thirty minutes later. Mick Jagger's coming in thirty minutes yeah. late. It never or, happens. Or they're just going to walk up to the microphone and start in the middle of a song. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, for crying out loud, who does that? Loud, who does that? Who and, does that? And, and so I have no sympathy for the theater owners because they're they're not doing what they need to do to make a better experience. And by the way, I've always complained uh, uh, from you know time to time on this show about the concession stand. You know, look, I'm wanting to give you my money. I'm wanting to overpay for stuff. Okay, and I have to tell you, last week it was like a group of Keystone cops behind the counter banging into one another, and you know, three quarters of them weren't helping a customer. It was ridiculous. It really was, Al John. And I think that if the theaters are going to survive, they need to fix this problem. And if they don't, you're going to see a lot of these multiplexes uh, close their doors. They they really are. That's right. And they're designed to be like bars. They're supposed to be speed wells. So John Taffer from Bar Rescue, save this movie industry. Help save these things. Hey, uh, speaking of saving, <laughs> right, um, I'm going to call John Taffer. I'm going to be like, hey, John, let's get on the show. Let's talk about it. Um, hey, you know what? If yeah. you could get him on here, I, I bet you he'd have some great ideas. I love the guy, and he's turned around a lot of bars on his show, uh, and he's a fabulous person. He knows I, what he's talking about. I'm going to call John. Hey, um, Disney, you sent me this, is to get possibly 580 million tax break for moving California jobs to uh-huh. Florida. Absolutely. Wow. So um, it says here, the Burbank-based media giant applied for what was approved to receive an estimated $578 million in credits from the state of Florida over the next 19 years and uh, moving their campus uh, of nearly 2,000 workers. Um, that's a huge deal that they're offering, Disney. Oh, absolutely. Without question. And you want to know something? What's up? Businesses are fleeing California. No doubt. They're going to Texas, they're going to Florida, they're going to other states where they can actually do business without uh, the stranglehold of taxation and regulation that the state of California is putting on them. Yep. And, and it's only going to accelerate. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, look at Oracle moving to Nashville, Dave. Right. You Oracle's know, moving. Or Tesla's Amazon. moving. Yep, I Tesla's mean, moving. you've got... huge, huge companies, you know, uh, that are moving out of this state. Listen, even smaller mid-sized companies are moving into Arizona and Nevada, uh, uh, Colorado, because uh, the cost of doing business is so much easier and less expensive. Less expensive, yeah, less restrictive. But they say that the Lake Nona campus will include jobs in digital tech, finance, communications, human resources, product development and that's from what disney officials said and most of the glendale based imagineers uh who design of course the theme park rides and attractions will be moved to the florida campus as well dave it looks like they might be uh reopening that disney studio after all 
<laughs> hey, you know something? Uh, listen, I don't blame them for doing this. They they talked about this a year and a half, two years ago about possibly doing this. And, you know, they're investing, I think, close to a billion dollars on that new campus down there. It's going to be nice. So, well, so yeah. you think, do you think this is a done deal? Are they going to, are they going to do it? Oh, this is a done deal. A I've, done heard deal? From tons, I've heard from tons of people I know that are still at the company that have just gotten notice over the last wow. few weeks. That's that amazing. They have they have until the end of the year to decide whether they're going to move or leave the company. And then if they decide to move, they have until the end of next year. Uh, so this is an 18 month window uh, uh, for all these people to get moved down to Florida. That's amazing. And, and, and by the way, there's been no discussion of reducing salaries. But I'm willing to bet once everybody gets moved down there that there's going to be a salary parity um, uh, process that's going to go through where they're going to have to adjust salaries because the cost of living is so much lower down in Florida. Well, I mean, either way, you know, people win because, A, they they still have their jobs and they're able to operate in a way that makes sense for for everybody. Well, well, I know. It's going to be a change. Uh, We'll see what happens as this story develops. So speaking of a developing story, Dave, Disney executives won't be attending CinemaCon in person as the Delta COVID variant rages in Las Vegas. Uh, Well, I mean, of course, uh, this is the the part of real life that is not uh, not good to be you know, experiencing, of course. Um, CinemaCon, of course, also has to do with the National Association of Theater Owners and CinemaCon. I should have put this one along with the other one for the NATO story. But, uh, yes. you know, CinemaCon is always, it, it's kind of like the upfronts, basically, for TV. They they show all the new movies and talk about the upcoming slate of things. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that it's not happening, or at least. Well, I, yeah, listen, I, I, I think the uh, theater owners, uh, you know, are, are annoyed at the strategy that Disney's employed with Black Widow and certainly for some future uh, film releases. Uh, but um, I think that uh, it, it was convenient to use the Delta variant uh, raging in Las Vegas uh, as an excuse not to show up. Okay. They're actually, Disney is actually the only uh, studio apparently at this moment that is not going going to be at CinemaCon. Interesting thought considering Warner Brothers decided to do all their digital releases. Interesting. Yeah. They would have thought Warner Brothers would have said, eh, I'm not going either. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. you know, again, I'm, I'm just going to say the theater owners need to step up their game and improve the experience. There you go. That, that, that's what it boils down to. There you go. Hey, you sent me this really interesting note about the OC register about Space Mountain over there at Disneyland, nearly having four different tracks and another name. Um, I know that the attractions, which is always fun to talk about, always go through this, these various phases of um, development early going. You want to talk a little bit about what's going on here with this? uh... Yeah. You know, this, this was a story that popped up because on Disney plus they're doing a series. uh, I think it's 10, 10 episodes that dropped uh, as of Wednesday, July 21st. That's right. Uh, Behind the attraction uh, is the series on Disney plus. And um, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, again, I, I love these behind the scenes shows. This, 
this is on my list of things to watch. Uh, and I have so many things on my list to watch. I, I have no idea when I'm going to get to it. But, uh, you know, again, uh, anytime they're developing an attraction at uh, the parks, uh, they go through multiple, multiple iterations. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, um, you know, putting in uh, the roller coasters was a way of keeping up with the changing theme park environment or the the amusement park environment. Uh, so uh, it, it's not a surprise that uh, they uh, actually um, wanted to uh, have something completely different. Uh, and uh, the initial iteration with a roller coaster is that they're outdoors. Yep. I think the breakthrough with that, with, with Space Mountain, was putting it in closed. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've ridden Space Mountain. Love I've it. ridden Space, Space Mountain. My sister's thrown up after going on Space Mountain. <laughs> She's <laughs> one know? of those. <laughs> you're, 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 in the, you're in the dark, you know, and you don't know when you're going to drop. You can't, you can't necessarily see where, where things are, you know, what, what's happening in front of you, you know? That's why I love dark rides so much at Disney, especially Space Mountain. And it would be it would have been cool to have the different the the actual starport with four different disembarking locations where you can have four different ride experiences. Like that's a very grandiose thought, but you know the the two that we did got the Alpha Omega track, um, you know that we have is just amazing. So it's great to see that both at Disneyland and Walt Disney World and all the other space spaceports around uh, the international Disney parks, but it is fun to talk about. Another thing I think, Dave, that's fun to talk about, you were talking about Disney Plus and uh, the content. It looks like we're going to be getting a special episode of the Disney Gallery, the ma- making of the Mandalorian, uh, where they have, spoiler alert, whoop, 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 spoiler alert, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, Luke Skywalker returns in the season finale of season two. So if you haven't seen that, shame on you. Um, because this is probably one of the best kept secrets of all entertainment that ever happened. Um, Yeah, that was, it was a major surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So the making of season two finale is a behind the scenes look at the making of the celebrated chapter of the Mandalorian, uh, including working with um, Mark Hamill, the special effects that it took to bring this scene to life. And of course um, this is going to be debuting August 25th. So mark those calendars. And as soon as August 25th rolls around, I'm sure you'll be clamoring to watch this. I can't wait to see it. Another thing that they're doing and, and you know, they've done this several times uh, during Disney plus is debuting music on the Disney plus platform music and music videos. They did it with Taylor Swift. They did it with Beyonce and now Billie Eilish with something's in the air right now. It's uh, basically a, um, a concert, I guess, she filmed over at the iconic Hollywood Bowl um, featuring all 16 tracks from Billie Eilish's new album performed in order. So um, big Billie Eilish fan, check it out. And uh, what do you think about some of this, uh, This, I guess, the music uh, videos and concerts? I guess it's really cool. You content. know, listen, I think it's great, but you you lose the energy of, uh, of actually being in uh, a facility, you know, in, in a stadium or a concert hall or the Hollywood Bowl. You lose all that energy, you know, when you watch something like that on television. It is interesting to see how all these types of uh, live events that happen in these venues kind of are being pulled off, you know, whether it's a Weezer concert or whatever, and you just don't see anyone there reacting. It's it's kind of, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just looking forward to seeing music and performances back in front of people again. 
You know, I have to tell you, I would love to see concerts uh, on the big screen in a theater. Um, I know they've done a few of them, but uh, honestly, uh, you know, I haven't gone to that many concerts in my lifetime. Although I've gone to some pretty amazing ones. Uh, but still, if you can't get to a concert, it would be really great to be able to go to your local multiplex and see it on a big screen. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, especially acts like the Rolling Stones and U2 and things like that that have those very theatrical um, parts. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, it looks like, you know, we talked about the Simpsons 33 season run. Uh, unbelievable. And it looks like during Comic-Con at home... Uh, that just happened. It looks like uh, they're talking about the season 33 musical episode. They always do these really cool musical episodes. Wow. And it looks like it's going to be a love letter to Fargo and the world of streaming television. Uh, always very timely. And it looks like uh, they're going to have some awesome people involved in this original songs uh, sung like a Broadway musical with Kristen Bell playing Marge's singing voice. And I love Kristen Bell. She's amazing. Oh, she's fabulous. Yeah. She's fabulous. Yeah. So uh, Morris LaMarche, who was shown during the panel, it was the first time a full scene was shown at, at Comic-Con. Uh, Morris LaMarche, of course, uh, being in there and, 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 and teasing this, it, it just looks really cool. It's going to be a really cool thing to see. Uh, so good luck on the Simpsons uh, episode there. And then I think we have this um, another another Hollywood legend passes at the age of 93, Dave, Jackie Mason. Yeah, I think he's probably somebody that our parents would be more familiar with sure. than uh, probably our listeners. But yeah. uh, Jackie Mason, who was a rabbi turned contentious comedian, was 93. And he really made a big name for himself up in the Catskill resorts uh, back in New York and on Broadway. Uh, but he was also a favorite during the 60s on a lot of the uh, variety shows like Ed Sullivan and and those types of shows. So uh, what a life! Ninety three. He was a funny guy. Yeah, you know I'd know him just because I'm a big Mel Brooks fan. So you'd remember him from History uh, of the World Part One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could definitely check that out. And he's just been in a lot of different things. And I that's how I know him. But you know, being in those early eighties comedies. But um, there you go. You know, another another career. Um, and he will forever live in the hearts of those that, that remember him in these great films and movies. So rest in peace. Absolutely. And, well, it looks like now we have your special guest just waiting, waiting to be brought in. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, as promised, uh, we've got a fantastic guest. His name is Jeff DeGrandis. He's a producer, a director, a supervising uh, producer, an executive producer, a storyboard artist. He's done it all. He's a uh, supervising producer of Dora the Explorer. He's worked on um, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. He's been nominated five times for an Emmy Award. He's won a Peabody Award. He's won two Image Awards. I mean, it, it just goes on and on i want to welcome my friend jeff DeGrandis to the skull rock podcast Thank jeff you. how are you I'm doing fine, Dave. How are you doing? And hi, Al. How are you doing? It's good to be here, and thank you for having me on today. 
it's great having you on. Uh, you know, Jeff, when when we booked you on to the show, I I just had this flood of memories come back from those early days at Cal Arts because you were one of the first people that I actually got to know uh, at Cal Arts because you were from New Jersey, I was from New York. We were two two knuckleheads from the tri-state area. Yeah. Uh, and we yeah, still are. We still are. You know? Yeah, we we are. We 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 still are two knuckleheads from the tri-state area. <laughs> but but you know, one of the things that um uh we we had Rob Minkoff on uh, a number of months ago, and and your name came up, uh, and uh, in conjunction with uh, Chuck Jones, because you actually were friends with Chuck Jones or when you first got out here. You Can you talk a little bit about that and how you met Chuck Jones? I can do that. And I think Dave, um, from our time, we were in the same class at CalArts, as you yeah. know. And, you know, Chuck came to CalArts many times to lecture and, you know, in, in, in the main theater there. But um, how it went was, um, you know, as one of, you know, like you and I would come out from the East coast or where we're from, you know, Chuck Jones, um, you know, is always legendary and inspirational to all of us. You know what I mean? Uh, whether you do animation or not, you know, we love his cartoons. And, um, I, um, decided, uh, well, how it started was to make a long story short, there was a Mel Blanc, um, um, uh, interview, uh, in, uh, down in Beverly Hills where I think a lot of us went. And, um, that's where I, I sat a couple rows behind Chuck Jones and it's like, well, this is my opportunity to, you know, want to meet, you know, the legend and one of the main guys that, uh, has been an inspiration to me to enter the animation business. So, um, I, uh, went ahead and introduced myself and got involved with that. And um, lo and behold, the next day or two, I went back, you know, when I was back in my dorm room, um, doing our Bill Moore projects as we are. Okay. And Dave, we got to finish our project, okay? <laughs> so it could get lit on fire. <laughs> exactly. And that happened to me. That did happen to me. Yes. It, it was, he was notorious for it. Exactly. So, um, anyway, so I decided to call tower, you know, tower 12 studios, which was his studio down in sunset. And I spoke to his daughter, Linda Jones, who is, um, very instrumental for me to meet Chuck and, you know, he didn't know who I was and all this kind of stuff. So I said, I got to meet your father, blah, blah, blah. So lo, lo and behold, again, the next day, um, I got a phone call in my dorm room and it was Chuck Jones and um, wanting to know if I wanted to come to his studio home down in Newport Beach and bring along a bunch of drawings because we're going to sit and draw together. And that was the beginning of my mentorship and my friendship with Chuck Jones that lasted years past that. So Wow, that must have been intimidating though, wasn't it? I mean, to, to have him invite you down to his home studio and say, yeah. we'll draw together. I mean, what, what were you feeling? Well, actually, there's more to it than that. Uh, Rob, uh, he asked me to bring a few people with him. And uh, one was Rob Minkoff, who came with me, and Chris Bailey and um, Kelly Asbury, you know, came with me down there. And, um, but I, before we went inside his, you know, we knocked on the gate on the outside, but I said before then, I said to the guys, I said, wow, I said, what do we, 
we're out, we're outside Chuck Jones's house. So what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It's like, wow, is this really happening? So, but anyway, we went inside, we had a great day and, um, we started drawing together and, um, he, that went on for a while. And, um, his wife, Marion, um, uh, was, she is so, so wonderful. And, um, you know, had a chance to spend time with her there too, but, years went on and he is the one that started me in the animation business and gave me my break into the animation business. Um, um, after I got out of Cal arts, um, I couldn't get a job right away. So, um, I moved back to Jersey and, um, met my wife and started our family, my wife, Julie, and we started our family. And, um, you know, I believe it or not, tried to open up a, my own studio, and I went into advertising and I did a couple things. And then I got a call. I started running, you know, when you guys know, um, I started, I became a manager of furniture store back East, you know, which was pretty famous, like Levitt's. And, uh, right. but I got a call at the store one night from, um, Linda Jones for Chuck and said, uh, he's going to start me in the animation business after about three or four years of coming back to New Jersey. And that's how my career began in the animation business. Wow. You know, I, I vaguely remember that you went back to New Jersey after Cal arts. I vaguely remember that. And you know something, Jeff, I, I had always, when I was at Cal arts, I don't know if you remember, I always had my heart set on going back to New York. I was going to go into advertising, uh, you know, and do animated commercials and just, you know, be in the advertising business in New York. Uh, and I actually never went back to New York. Well, Madison uh, Avenue was the place to go, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a boom town for animation and, you know, MTV was just starting, you know, it started in 80 and, you know, Fred Seibert had his, you know, place back there. And, uh, you know, and, and, um, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I knew you were good. I knew you, I vaguely remember you wanting to head back to the East coast again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was kind of crazy because when I got out of Cal Arts, I started working uh, for Don Bluth on a couple of uh, video games, uh, Dragon's Lair and Space Ace yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and before his studio went bankrupt. Uh, and then and then I was going to go back to New York. And then and then all of a sudden I, I, I got hired over at Disney to work on the Black Cauldron. So I figured, well, I'll do that picture and then I'll go back to New York. Right. You know? <laughs> and, you know and, and you ended up just, you know. Yeah, and you're staying at Disney, and you've done fantastically. Yeah, I mean, it was like forty years went by in a blink, you know. And uh, and after every picture, I kept thinking, "Oh, I'll go back to New York," you know. But for like the next five pictures. But anyway, but but so you you were actually in New Jersey. You met Jackie. You had your kids, and you came back to Los Angeles. What was that like? Because you, it was like you were out here for school, then you went back to New Jersey and then you came back out. Was that scary? Yeah, well, it, it was, you know, I, but after getting out of Kellogg's, remember the, the union was on strike, partition union was on strike in 82. Mm -hmm. So it was difficult after we graduated, it, it was difficult getting into certain places, you know? So I scoured California from top to bottom from the Bay area, trying to get hooked up and, took tests like we all did, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, one was Don Blue's place down in, uh, on Barham, I believe he had. It was, uh, it was in Studio City. Right. Uh, yeah. he, he, before he moved over to Barham. Right. Uh, he had an English tutor looking place there. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right uh -huh. But, uh, 
I was asked to in between water to do water effects and stuff like that. You know, water's the hardest thing in the world. To Tell me about it. <laughs> well, that just didn't happen, Dave. It didn't happen. <laughs> you know, so I kept looking around and kept interviewing and went down to Newport area again. There was a couple of new studios that opened and it went a lot and a lot new animation. And, and I uh, headed, you know, I hung out at the CalArts dorms during the summer of 83, you know, and um, ended up heading back to New Jersey, you know what I mean, yeah. where I met my wife, Julie, and, you know, shortly thereafter, and we started our family. And, yeah. um, it, and like I said, went into retail and, you know, and uh, did everything, you know, that I possibly could. And um, that's when I got the call at the furniture store. It's like, well, your time's here. <laughs> was, but I became bi-coastal where I commuted back and forth to California every other weekend for about a year more than a year. So wow. every other weekend I would come back to California because we were starting uh stay tuned, you know, um, Oh yeah. From Warner brothers. Um, I, I actually did a little work on that. You did, you did all the effects stuff and you set up all the camera stuff with me. And That's you, right. You did all yes. that. And you and I worked, that was the first gig I was ever in that you were part of. Yes, that's right. I, I remember that. I have a screen yeah. credit on that film. You that was do, very, man. that was very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, so you were that was a, that. that was a freelance gig for me. It was. And I called you in and I called, you know, Minkoff and, you know, Chris and, and different people in. Yeah. And I had a crew there. So Chuck, uh, asked me, he said, uh, could you build a studio from the ground up in Studio City? I have a, a group of uh, a building there. I said, yeah, I'll do it for you. You know, <laughs> and I and it, so I ended up getting all the desks and this and that. And and we did that 20, almost 20 minute segment of Stay Tuned, in, which was a, the, you know, the animated segment of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just for the audience, uh, Stay Tuned was a live action film, uh, but there was a sequence where the live action character kind of gets sucked into the TV and is in a animated world for that sequence. Right. They had to survive um, 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 TV hell, as they call it, <laughs> which, which Jeffrey Jones was Satan, but it was with John Ritter and Pam Dauber who were transformed into animated rodents that went into a classic Warner Brothers type uh, uh, segment. Uh, and they had to, um, they had to uh, defeat RoboCat. Which yes. Yes. That's right. So that's anyway, right. Wow. Part of that whole thing. Yeah. But, but you know something, Jeff, uh, I'm just wondering, like when you got that phone call at a furniture store that you were managing, Yes. What, I mean, did you like hang up the phone and say, yes. I'm out of here and storm out the door? <laughs> Actually, when I received that phone call, I it was about 10 o'clock at night. Um, I was the only one left in the store, you know, because I'm managing it and, you know, did the books and did everything I did for the day and got the numbers. And I went back and I sat by myself in the back in amazement. I, I was in shock, actually. And mm -hmm. it's like, wow, my career is starting now. And what was told to me by Chuck and Linda was, uh, you know, well, I think it's time for you to start. You know, you've gained experience with people. You know how to manage. You do this, you do that. And it's like, let's start. So that's when I started working at home. So he, uh, so Chuck got equipment and stuff for me for our house in Barnegat, New Jersey. And um, we, um, I started uh, doing work for him uh, and faxing work over to him and faxing work back and talking to him. And then 
the stay tuned opportunity came up, you know, and that's when the bicoastal thing started. And eventually we moved every, you know, our whole family moved out to California and I continued on in the career through the studio system from that point. You know, you said something interesting, but uh, it's very true. You know, working at that furniture store, you got to really got a lot of people experience dealing with I'm sure every kind of personality and uh, <laughs> uh, type of person, which really benefits you when you are managing, you know, when you become a producer and you're managing a, a team of people working on a project, mm-hmm. you have the same diverse set of personalities, right? Exactly. There's no difference really, except, uh, you know, you're treating, you know, you're, you're treating individuals the same no matter what kind of business you're in, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's, it's cause everyone's not the same and, you know, you're all working for the same goal, but you know, everyone, you kind of treat everybody differently according to who they are and what their needs are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and keep your open door policy, which I've always done from that point all the way to where I am now. You know what I mean? So, uh, accessibility is very, very important. Absolutely. And, uh, and you, as I, as I know, because I know you, uh, you, you're somebody who is very, uh, helpful. I mean, you're paying it forward. What Chuck did for you, you're doing for a lot of young people that are starting out in the business. Yes. Uh, you're right. You're helping them out, giving them tests and giving them, you know, advice. Uh, uh, you're exactly right. And, uh, thanks for bringing that up because, you know, you have to pay it forward, but if, you can feel the passion and the desire with different people that you meet that want to start a business. And, you know, if they don't, they don't have to know everything when you're interviewing them, but if they know how to, you know, draw, you know, according to what you need or they're, you're able to, um, what do you call it? Teach them different things mm-hmm. and let them grow and let them expand themselves as artists. You'll get a much better picture. You know, and you got to give people a break. You have to give them a break. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not only people pulling us up, uh, but we have to pull other people up uh, and and bring in that next generation and give them the advice and the guidance that we got uh, from all these great people. Right. Exactly right, Dave. So, so from from Stay Tuned, what what was the next thing that you went on to? Because you're working on Stay Tuned, and you built the studio up for for Chuck, and you bring your whole family out. What what happened next? While I was doing Stay Tuned, I was overlapping. I was working on the first seasons of Ren and Stimpy. Um, so I was picking work up from Spumco down um, by Paramount, next to Paramount on Melrose, and working on the Ren and Stimpy show for you know John and you know, Bob and all those guys. And so I had that going. So I was doing that at night, but started also on the first series of Animaniacs at Warner Brothers in January of 1992. That was the reboot of uh, essentially like Warner Brothers animation, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And at the same time, you know, they're doing Batman, you know, in the same mm-hmm. building, which was uh, down in Sherman Oaks at the Imperial Bank building, which was by the mall. And uh, so we had the, fa- the famous Sherman Oaks Galleria. 
Yeah, where the guard downstairs had a pet monkey that sat on the desk every day. <laughs> and he greeted us as we all came in. And uh, really, I'm serious. There was a monkey, he had his little chair, and he would Did just he tip his hat. <laughs> was he tipping his hat to you? <laughs> he might have tipped the hat, but you know, but I, I didn't see any money going in anywhere. So I was going to say, pet. Pet my monkey, touch the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little yeah, red and stupid humor for you. Yeah, shock the monkey. Is yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but uh, I forgot his name was Greer, and, and, and I forgot what the monkey's name was. But that was just like a little nice piece of humor in the morning. So we had the monkey, you know, <laughs> you know greet us as we came in. So, that's but, awesome. Yeah, so um, I did the first season of Animaniacs, but and that's that that was happening at that time before i went to disney at disney tv afternoon you know the afternoon disney yeah. sure sure you you did the timon and pumbaa show right well i did the schnookums and meat funny cartoons oh show. that's right with bill cop right yes, yes correct yeah that's absolutely correct so we did that um because disney wanted the answer to they wanted to do the ren and Stimpy show at the disney studio i gotcha yeah but you know uh but at that time um the Rin and Stimpy show was uh, kind of ending that, not ending permanently, but ending uh, down on, on Melrose. But then I had all these Funko guys running around. I said, well, let's bring them all over to Disney. So <laughs> um, we brought them over to Disney and we put together the crew and we organized it and we did our character layouts there in the house. You know, we couldn't do the character layouts on all the, every show, but, I was able to go through and do and, and, and itemize them all and get at least half of them laid out in the house since it was an off-model show anyway. You know what right, I mean? Right, so, yeah. And it all turned out fine, you know what I mean? And then I went on to Timon and Pumbaa and that kind of thing for about four, four or five years I was there. Wow. And uh, and did you, uh, uh, from there, did you go on to Dora the Explorer over at Nickelodeon or was there more stuff in between that? Oh, let's see. Well, after well, I did go to um, DreamWorks, the first edition of DreamWorks TV animation, which was in Encino, and I we did um, uh, let's see, we did um, Toonsylvania for Fox, that, yeah, Fox Network. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, that was short lived. That was short lived. Yes, and uh, they produced a lot of plastic toys for Burger King, so that was kind of good. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was that. It, the shows turned out fine. It, it, it was a, an ensemble of about, it was a variety show. We wanted to put together a variety show of four different kinds of cartoons for a half hour. And that's mm -hmm. what we did. And we put together that variety of different styles, and but it all related to a Toonsylvania kind of um, monster kind of thing. And that's how we kept it. And yeah. then um, at that time, we overlapped to Saban for Fox Kids Network. So we had two shows at two different parts going on at the same time where we did, we did Magic Act of Pirate, you know, with yeah. Bill and I, and um, we did that while we were doing Pennsylvania. So we couldn't be in two places at the same time. So we switched back and forth and who was driving over the hill today. And that's how that went. So, um, but that was short lived. And, um, then what did you ask, Dave? I forgot. Then I went to. Oh, I was asking about Dora the Explorer when oh. when, that, when that sort of popped up. Oh, I went to primetime after Magic Actor Pirate to do right. uh, The Devil and Bob for. NBC. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, again, short lived for a season. 
Yeah. Um, but, but that's, isn't that, I mean, you know, in the, in the television animation world that that's sort of the norm, right? I mean, it's like you can get on a show and it could be one season you do 20 episodes or 13 episodes or whatever it is. And then it's canceled and you move on to the next thing. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. Or you have the um, luxury of doing a thing like Dory Explorer, where I did 13 years straight of, right. that, of preschool, which I've never, I never did preschool before. So I did the, um, you know, after God, devil and Bob shut down, um, yeah. which ironically was across the street from the DreamWorks cake of Tunes of It was on the other side of the street. So it wasn't that far to go. And, <laughs> uh, that, uh, I got a call from Nickelodeon asking if I was interested in doing preschool and I never did it. So I said, yeah, I'll do preschool. It sounds like an easy cake. You know, so I received some tapes in the mail and, uh, tapes. There's one VHS tapes. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, it ended up being the most rewarding, most challenging. And I was amazed on how much goes into preschool education yeah. TV because you're dealing with little kids learning and you're changing their life. And we had to make sure everything was accurate, you know, and we had uh, PhDs and we had all that. So I did the original Dora the Explorer along with Diego, uh, her cousin. And that ended in uh, 2013 before I went back to DreamWorks again. <laughs> and, um, but but that's the nature of it, though, isn't it, Jeff? I mean, when when you're working on uh, television shows, uh, you do sort of circulate through, you know, you're at Nickelodeon, you're at Disney, you're at DreamWorks, you're at Warner Brothers, you go back to Nickelodeon, you know, you're you, you kind of circulate. And that's a community. There's a community of people, right? There is. There is definitely, Dave. You're exactly right. There's a community and people that go from you from show to show. You know what I mean? And, um, you, know, um, you know, which which I find to be, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? When, when your crew wants to go with you, you know, you did something right with your crew. You treat yeah. them well. You got to treat, treat them well. And it's like, you know, it makes you feel good when that happens, you know. So I had people that go for me for two shows, three shows, four shows. Mm-hmm. That went on and on, you know what I mean? So Sure. That's awesome. You know, but then... You know, after the DreamWorks gig, you know, where I did some CG stuff on uh, Dino Trucks, uh, I went back to Warner Brothers on the main lot, that, uh, the, the ranch, Warner Brothers Ranch. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, on pa- on Pass Avenue over there in in the, sort of the Toluca Lake Burbank area. Exactly. And they call the, it the ranch, right? Because it's it, it's several blocks sort of to the north of the main Warner Brothers studio. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I always thought that she get, they should have always got these huge plastic cows and chickens. <laughs> and, and, cheap, and they should have just put them all out in the front around the Warner Brothers sign on the ranch because it's like, well, you can have these great farm animals just welcome you right in. But um, <laughs> I did suggest it and um, that I didn't get any comment from it. So <laughs> I didn't do much, you know, they wouldn't mess up the lawn. You know? Oh, yeah, that, that's all, you know. All right. Yeah. So, and that was on um, um, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz I did, which was um, Warner Brothers classic cartoons meets the Wizard of Oz. So it was, it was wacky. It was my kind of thing that I'd like to do. So yeah, yeah. Great characters. So uh, did a ton of those and um, 
you know, went around a little bit and uh, came back to Nickelodeon again, you know. Which is pretty awesome, you know. I, you know, again, there's an ecosystem there, and everybody gets to know each other and know who's available when they're coming off a show, and mm-hmm. you know, hire them for a show that they're starting up and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you you said something interesting that 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 made me think of Rat Fink. You you said, you know, I, I like that zany stuff. Um, oh. You're you're a big Rat Fink fan, and uh, if you could. Could could you talk about the um, uh, uh, the origins of Rat Fink and what Rat Fink I is? Yeah, I still am. Um, I'm one of the original artists of for Ed Big Daddy Roth, uh, who was the creator of Rat Fink, and I still am. And um, so that started. Um, you know, Ed, Ed Ed Roth passed years ago, but uh, his his wonderful wife Eileen um, uh, kept the uh, whole tradition and kept her husband's spirit going of Rat Fink and custom car culture, which is pinstriping and um, you know um, Rat Fink was always known as the anti Mickey Mouse. You know what I mean? So that's sure. how Rat Fink started and. Uh, um, you know, with all due respects to Disney and stuff, but that's what Ed came up with this Rat Fink character. So, and, and what was that? What was Ed's background? Was he was he a cartoonist? Uh, you know, was he involved in the car culture world and all of that? Yeah, he was uh, one of the kings of the custom cars, and he built all his uh, cars and designed his own cars and did them out of fiberglass and um, the bubble top cars and all that stuff, like the Beatnik Bandit, you know, and the Mysterian and uh, you know, there's countless cars that he's done, you know, that are just legendary. You know, the Tweety Pie was one of them. And, you know, and, um, but he is, uh, it's American classic custom car culture. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you had guys like Von Dutch that, you know, did pinstriping. Um, and you had, uh, you know, Dean Jeffries, who did a lot of the TV cars off farm. His, his studio is still over there. He's passed. But he did a lot of the movie cars and TV cars, you know, and um, so um, I do pinstriping and, and custom painting and all that kind of stuff, too. And so my raffing stuff is starting to fold back in again. And I'm getting that, you know, that never disappeared. But, um, you know, I'm doing a bunch of that custom stuff now for people, you know, to purchase and look at, and, you know. Uh, custom surfboards I'm painting now too. Yeah, no, I, I've seen some of your custom surfboards that you've posted pictures of on uh, on social media, and I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, the Rat Fink, uh, I, I think most people would probably recognize, Al John, you're nodding, uh, but I, I think most people would probably recognize those Rat Fink drawings because, you know, uh, of the cars. It was always Rat Fink, you know, with the big giant stick shift sticking out and a, a an, en- an engine that was bubbling out of the, the hood of a car and, uh, you know, the big tires and all that kind of stuff. I think they're just fantastic drawings and I love them. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I've been drawing that stuff since I was about maybe seven years old. Um, um, Ed Roth was one of my inspirations along with, uh, Charles Schultz and Chuck Jones. And, but, um, it's, 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 um, I've been doing rats. I've been drawing rat things since, uh, the mid sixties, I guess. Wow. And, um, wow. and I still do. And, um, so I have, I will have more of that stuff 
I hope you, I hope you do a lot more of that kind of stuff. I think there's a big market for it. Don't you? Oh, I, I do. I love so, it. So anyway, I, someone just gave me a yellow surfboard, yellow and green, lime green. So I said, and ironically on the back of the surfboard, it said rat and the guy's last name who designed the board. So I said, well, maybe this needs a rat fink painted on it. So, <laughs> uh, so that was meant to be. So I, I will have more of that stuff. That'll be posting on social media too. You know, and, and, and it's interesting too because I just flashed on the fact that you had a Chev Chevrolet Vega yes. uh, when we were at Cal Arts that you had put a uh, was it a four twenty seven? Yeah, it was yeah, uh, V eight. It was a V eight. Yeah, three twenty seven. Three twenty seven. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, you had put into the the Chevy Vega, and that was an insane car. It was a sleeper. It was a sleeper. It, 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 it was nuts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you drove around with me with that. As a matter yes. fact, uh, uh, when I came back from California, back to New Jersey, um, you know, my wife and I, when we were dating, that, you know, she went out and had a car lot. And uh, so it was, uh, but the only thing is that it was, it was kind of loud. So when I would drop her off at her house at night, I would have to put it in neutral and I just kind of glided up silently. You know, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to wake up the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So yeah. It, it was, up, it was one know, of those loud cars, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, you know, I could burn rubber in all four gears, you know, without any problems. So, you know. Whatever happened to that car? I'm curious. Did you just sell it? It was sold. I sold it when it when it, shortly after I came back and uh, you know got into something else. But um, you know, I've, I'm a hot rod builder, and um, you know I've had hot rods since you know I've been driving. You know what I mean? So, Do you have a hot rod now? Not now. No, I just have. Uh, I, I just have my. Uh, we call it my uh, Toyota MR5. You know what? What do you call it? The uh, SUV. You know. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just turned three hundred thousand miles. Did it really? Wow! It runs like it came out of the showroom. So. Yeah, but you know something, Jeff. You know as well as I do. If you maintain your car, if yeah. you change the oil frequently and uh, and really take care of it, the engine can last a very long time. It can. It can. So you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. But what what Jeff isn't telling you is that he hot rodded, made all the made all the surfboard pinstriping on. Now, Al, you and I talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get involved, but I am going to pinstripe and do rattling on the back of that too. So I'm going to send like, you. I'm going to send you a couple guitars because I'm just going to have you go ahead and, and trick it out for me. I'll just say like, "Hey, Jeff, I'm just here's my credit card. Just take my money." It's funny you said that. Um, I've been looking at some used guitars that I want to pinstripe and rattling. Um, and sell them out is what I want to do. And, um, I think you and I should talk. <laughs> yeah, you, you know something? I'll put you guys together uh, via email because Al John works for Gibson Guitars and has a massive guitar collection. Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, one of the guitars I wanted to get was uh, the one that Springsteen bought has his first guitar in Freehold, New Jersey. Yeah. And I wanted to stripe that and pinstripe it and send it to him. You yeah, know, yeah. and... Uh, um, I forgot the brand name of that. I have it written down. But was it? Was that a Strat? Does he play a Stratocaster? Yeah, he plays, he plays a, a, a Telecaster. A Telecaster, Telecaster. Yeah, but, uh, but something like some, and I put some hot rods on it and stuff that brings us back to our cruising days in Asbury Park. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, sure. Uh, you know, we used to cruise Asbury Park every Friday and Saturday night, and uh, you know, and uh, he had his '57 Chevy and his Corvette, and 
we just that's what it was about you know what i mean during the awesome. mid 70s yes. so um that's another part of history is sure sure part of me and him and all that stuff so did you did you ever jeff did you ever think about animating rat think is it animatable it is and um i've thought about it and uh, um my buddy kenny um Ken Michiani. Yes, he has um, uh, approached, you know, Eileen and, and the estate about doing that. And I don't know where that is right now as yeah. far as that goes. But um, yes, it has come up by Ken. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I would. I would love to see that animated. Even even just a, a you know, a, like a thirty second test. It would be probably hilarious to see. It'd be, it'd be insane. It would definitely yeah. be insane. You know, and. Uh, Totally off model cartoon show. Totally off model. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, very, very heavy metal esque. I, I see. I think you're right, Al. I think you're <laughs> absolutely right. You know, yeah. but um, anyway, so that's my story with um, the Brad Fink stuff. Which, yeah. Which is going to go into high gear uh, anytime now again with me. So, um, well, did, yeah. your, did your love for hot rods and that culture and that art of that kind of pinstriping come before your love of, of art? Did that, that it come first? Was that, was that the thing Same. that kind of motivated you or was that all simultaneous? Like, simultaneous. It all collided at one time. And it was around 1966 to 67 is when it all came to a head. And um, I discovered Ed Roth in the back of Hot Rod magazine and the little ads for these crazy looking T-shirts with these monsters that had these cars and stuff that were just so cool that that's what my uh, daily work in school, in grade school, was to sit in the back and draw monster rat things and monster cars. And so that just went on and on and drawing cart then drawing animation at the same time. And that went on and on and on. And, you know, my love for um, the fine arts too, you know what I mean? So I know I experimented with that, but it was a lot of, uh, it was, it was animation and it was American custom culture all riding together in the same car at the same time. And they still are. They yeah. Still, they, they still are to this day. You know, and, and you know, it, it's interesting. I think, you know, whenever you talk to any artist, uh, Al John and Jeff, when yeah. we have guests like you on our show, um, uh, you know, the love of drawing uh, really starts uh, in in grade school in, in those early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 we've all sort of continued it along. Uh, because of our passion for it. I mean, you have a passion for Rat Fink, you have a passion for animation, uh, and you have a passion for fine art, for painting and all of that. And you, that, that hasn't changed. That's been a constant through your entire life. Yeah, you're right, Dave. You're exactly right. Uh, nothing has changed. Um, you, you know, you want to get better and better. And you want to always learn. And we're, I believe that we never stop learning and never stop becoming inspired by other people that you work with and people that you know who have created certain parts of artistic history over the years that you always want to learn and learn and learn you know what i mean and um you know the day that you stop learning is the day you're done you know what i mean so yeah we have you're right we we need to keep being inspired all the time and uh you know and stay stay cool with that you know and uh and you know 
because we all don't know how to do everything, you know? And it's like, man, it's like, wow, look at that, what that guy did, you know, how'd you do it? You know, it's like, you know, to know, there's one thing in the animation business and all that stuff, you know, egos are all aside, you know, we're all working on the same plane here. You know what I mean? And we're, you know, we're working to create a great picture. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, of course we have people in charge that keep our visions alive and make sure the visions are on track, but we add to the visions all together too. You know what I mean? As a family. So, and that's very, very important, but uh, yeah, that's my thing is, you know, keep learning and keep doing it. And, uh, you know, Jeff, what's, what's inspiring you today? What, what do you look when you look at the animation industry, whether it's television animation or feature animation? What 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 are you looking at? What what inspires you? What's exciting to you? Mm, I'm looking at um, you know I'm still looking at things that I enjoyed watching years ago. Still, you know, uh, I enjoy uh, you know what I like. I like you know stuff like you know Brave Little Toaster. You know, mm-hmm. Jerry Reese's thing. I like classic Warner stuff. I like early Disney stuff a lot. You know what I mean? I like early Mickey Mouse shorts. I, I think they're fantastic. The stuff like, from the 1930s, the early 1930s. I love that stuff. I love, uh, you know, the early features that they did. Uh, you know, um, I liked Dumbo and I liked, you know, all that classic stuff. That's so way all that stuff. Um, that's inspiring. But um, as far as watching today goes, um, I don't know. It's, I know things change over time and, technology yeah. becomes greater and greater, but I like to see the original older technology and the newer technology meld more together. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is, I'm happy to say it's like, you know, shows like SpongeBob and stuff, you know, where stuff is still being animated 2d, yeah. and, but stuff like Camp Coral and stuff is done in CG, you know what sure. I mean? And, but I believe that there's um, room for everything and there's an audience Sure. That's for everything. And I think we get in trouble when we try to decide too much who the audience is going to be, but we have to make stuff for ourselves first and enjoy what we're doing first. And the audience will find it and it will, it will find where it's supposed to go within that audience field. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel. I don't know if I answered I, I, yeah, I, no, I, 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 I completely, I, I completely, around a little bit with you. yeah, no, but, but I completely understand. I mean, you're still being inspired by a lot of the material that was done decades ago, uh, yes. but also uh, with the new stuff that's coming and, out. I respect you know? it and I respect I, it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we've had conversations on this show in the past about uh, some of the adult oriented, uh, like adult swim kind of TV shows, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, and I think it started with like Beavis and Butthead on uh, MTV. Uh, And then, and then, you know, nowadays you've got, you know, Bob's Burgers and of course the Simpsons and, you know, Bojack Horseman and, uh, you know, those types of, uh, uh, of shows that are relying more on the writing uh, the scripts, uh, than, uh, actually on the animation. Um, uh, although the animation, uh, I think has matured certainly on the Simpsons and Bob's burgers, Yes, uh, you know, um, how do you feel about, uh, some of those styles? I, I think the styles fit for the type of, um, show it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, early shows like Beavis and Butthead, you know, has a, 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 
a very stylized line to it and it and it lends itself well for the type of story it is and and who again who the audience was and who it was presented to uh, on mtv at the time you know what i mean and uh, it, it was kind of anti everything else that was going on at that point mm-hmm, exactly. you know and, and it was queuing off of you know the the slacker in high school who was drawing crew, you know doing crude drawings in a uh, in their notebook exactly you know yeah and uh you know like we all did you know yeah School. Well, that, that's how you develop, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think it was Chuck Jones who famously said, uh, you know, you got 10,000 bad drawings in you, get drawing. Yeah, and he already told me that. He, he told me that once, and I uh, said, so get drawing. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you, the more you draw, the better you get at it. And you know the great thing about what Chuck Jones said after that, that those kind of things, is that all it meant was uh, we keep learning and trying to get better. That's yeah. what it is. And uh, uh, nothing more than that. It, it actually was a positive thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and other things he said is like, uh, you know, we're all, we're all fake adults, really. You know, he always told me that. You know, we're, we're all fake adults. We're fake adults. And what did he mean by that? We always had the child inside us. Mm-hmm. And that child should never go away. And, right. You know, it's that child inside us that helps drive us and keeps us um, not younger, but it's just, you know, don't get too grown up. But it's, it's, we're all children at heart, is what it yeah. means. You know, I mean? yeah. so, you know it's, it's, uh, and, and, and you have to embrace that. We, yes, you have to. And you can't be in the animation business if you take things too seriously. Right. And I, don't think that I think that's that this applies to all industries. You know, um, I know some industries. What did I say? Uh, it's not rocket science what we do. You know, it's entertainment. And we want to get the story right, and we want to entertain the best we can. You know, but even if you work for NASA or whatever the heck you work for, you know, you got to keep a little bit of that child in you. Of, um, you know what you liked when you were a kid. You know you like blasting those little Estes rockets up. You know and enjoying yourself and and that and you know the you you have to have fun at the end of it all. Yeah, what it really is, you gotta have fun. If you're not having fun, you shouldn't be doing it. No, and I tell my crew, if you don't have fun, you're fired. So <laughs> uh, you and I've told them many times, you know, have fun. If you don't have fun, come see me. I'll make sure you have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, but that, that is very important though. I mean, you, you have to really love what you're doing. Uh, and, and I think we've been fortunate uh, to be in the animation industry where we've had a lot of fun and so, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're working. Uh, you know, you forget you're getting paid for it, right? You're so right, David. You are yeah. so right. So I, I I always went when they came around with the paychecks years ago, I, I used to pinch myself. I used to say, I, I, I'd say to somebody, man, I forget that we get paid for doing this, you know, because yes. we were, we were all just having a ball. You're exactly right. Dave. Exactly right. And again, what you said and what Chuck said was, wow, we actually get paid for doing this. Yeah. You know, and we're, 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 we're fortunate. We're fortunate. So we are, we are, you know, but, um, 
Jeff, how, how do you feel the uh, industry has changed uh, from from that time that you, you know, Chuck uh, brought you back out to California to do Stay Tuned, uh, you know, to today? You know, ha- have you seen some major shifts happening in, in the television animation world? Yeah, I have. I think uh, I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes. You know what I mean? And uh, as far as the uh, shaping of some of the shows. Yeah. Too and many, I, too many suits. Yeah. And uh, granted, there's always room for great ideas. And if you have a great idea that makes the episode better, please put it in. Mm-hmm. Please put it in. But, you know, I, you know, sometimes you just feel like, you know, you know, it's a whole nother thing is going, you know, no giving and this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff. But, to me, if it's viable and it's it, it has validity, that's what I'm trying to say. And making something better than it is, and it's going to add to it. I think that any of the smallest ideas, no matter what you do on the crew, yeah, you, that should go in that show. You know what I sure, mean? Sure, sure. I I, um, I I'm a high believer of that. You know and and I mean? ideas can come from anywhere. Anywhere, you know. I, I mean, you you could have the custodian give you an idea. Exactly. And you know what? And, and you know what? It may not go in that show, but it may go into the next one. So we can't forget all these great things that come up because, you know, uh, there's a lot of people involved in the process and it's, it's, it does change over the years. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, you know, like when Clamp It and, you know, you had Clamp It and Jones and you had Tex Avery, you know what I mean? And Tex was, know clampett's and jones's first boss you know so yeah yeah you know that, you know rob mckimson and those guys uh, at the Fri- you know, frizz freeling and frizz freeling you know yeah. and you had all the greats at disney you know what i mean you had sure, sure. Nine, nine old men you know what i mean and, sure. I I think, though, you know, in 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 talking about it, uh, you know, the 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 big change I've seen is that animation has become very corporate. Uh, uh, What I really I was driving toward that. Yeah, there's a fine line. There seems to be like a fine line between creation by committee um, when it comes to a, a vision. There's those the crew that has vision that is, is that can add to the spices in the pot. And then there gets to a point where that fine line is, is trampled on or, and it gets watered down and diluted from the original concept. Right. You're exactly right. Al, Al, you're right. And it's so much so that it gets killed. You know what I mean? You kill the initial idea and, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, that's, we can do a whole podcast just on, yeah, no, I, I mean, without you're exactly right, though. Al, you're right. So. I mean, without question. I mean, I think that when you look at, uh, you know, just the feature animation that was done in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, whether it was Brave Little Toaster or The Little Mermaid or even Beauty and the Beast, Love uh, you know, yeah. th- those films were done with small crews, uh, you know, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is a great example of one where it was just a group of artists in a warehouse that made yeah. that with very little uh, meddling from, uh, you know, studio suits. Exactly. Uh, and, and you get these wonderful gems that resonate uh, through generations. 
Yes. Uh, you know, uh, because uh, they, they that group of artists were able to capture that lightning in a bottle, you know, that sometimes you can't get when there's that many people in the kitchen uh, barking, I, you know, we have to do this or we have to do that. Well, you're exactly right. And, um, um, and they're, they're very, they're not dated at all. They're very undated. So they, they hold up over time. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and Lion King. And, 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 and Ren and Stimpy. I mean, Ren and Stimpy holds up today uh, just as well as when it first came out. It, it does, you know, with, um, you know, Stimpy going to the dentist and showing those close-ups of his rotten teeth, you know what I mean? With the nerves <laughs> hanging out. You know, with the tooth beavers, you know what I mean? Stimpy, if you don't get your teeth clean, the tooth beavers are going to come. You want the tooth beavers to come, you know? And then it shows the tooth beavers trying to pull out the, you know, and my, and the, you know. But uh, you're right, you know, it's, uh, we make cartoons for ourselves, you know, that's the most important thing that we have to think about, you know, and yes, it's become corporate and, you know, it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's the way of the times and it's part know, of, it's part of the business now. I mean, you just have to roll with it and uh, do the best you can. You know what? There's tons of corporate people that get it. You know what I mean? Yes. They, yeah. they, I, I commend them. They, they get it and they understand and they know what funny is. They know what funny is and they know what good story making is. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. I I give that, I give them a ton of credit for that. And, uh, but it's, it's, um, I don't know. So, you know, but Brad Fink still keeps going though. (laughs) <laughs> and I love it. I, I, but you know what? Everybody seems to be on the same page. You know, if, if you're all on the same page and you know, like you're going to be in a cover band and you're going to play top 40 hits, that's what you're in for. It's not like you're going to be doing Pink Floyd echoes, right? You're going to be playing a 35 minute, you know, uh, cacophony of just weird, cool sounds. You know, you, you kind of yeah. know what you're in for. It's, uh, but, but I get it. And, you know, it seems to me like you, you've been involved in, uh, and Dave too, you know, just in the great renaissance, not only of Disney, but of, of great cartoons, you know, in with the liquid television style stuff, like with the Ren and Stimpy when it debuted on MTV and, and that kind of avant-garde attitude of, you know, this is just on the edge. It's not your typical Saturday morning cartoon. It had edge, it had wit, it had a lot of heart. And, um, and it spoke to a generation like myself, you know, in that, in that whole genre, that whole time period, I know that really spoke to us. I really enjoyed that. And then moving into the rebirth of the Animaniacs and Fox, uh, you know, cartoons that, that happened, it was just a really great time to be an animation, at least to be an animation fan. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, and, and Jeff, I do want to yeah. talk, I, I want to step back to the Cal arts days cause you did a short film uh, at, at Cal Arts, I remember it took place in it was like supermarket wars or something, oh, right? Store wars. Store wars. <laughs> it's on. It, it is on YouTube. If you type in Jeff DeGrand, Store Wars. Store Wars. It was done. <laughs> I did it. Clean, I did it professionally at Nickelodeon as one of Fred Seibert's um, What a Cartoons, and it's what, on was it. that the the Finster Finster show? Yeah, it was. So it was like the Finster Brothers. Yeah, and the frozen chickens came to life in the supermarket, and they were able to shoot. <laughs> they shot laser beams, put this out, out there, you know, plucked. They had no heads or any of that. They were all yeah. But they flew around in pots, pans, rolling pins. and But, you know, the Finster brothers were able to um, have rocket-powered shopping carts that were um, laser-equipped <laughs> laser so that we could fry their little butts and 
you know, and they got into a big thing. And then at the end of the show, I'm not going to give it away, but it's on YouTube. And, uh, you, can watch. you know, we'll we'll make sure, Al John. Let's make sure that that we put a link to that um, uh, Store Wars by Jeff DeGrandis uh, on YouTube. Uh, oh, we should sure. put a link into the uh, into the show notes uh, for, sure. for, for people. Yeah, Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll never look at uh, fried chicken ever the same again. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, the Finster, was it the Finster Battle Laser Chickens at Food City, right? Yeah, exactly. It was at Food City. Yeah. It was the name. It was at Food City. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so great that you, 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 you basically came up with an idea for a student film that translated into an actual show. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, it, which it is was, fantastic. It was a one-off. And well, it was a one-off, but it was still part of a, 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 a an overall series. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, going back to CalArts, um, that was the beauty of there, too, with, you know, guys like you and me and everyone we went to school with, you know, and different classes and stuff and all the cool stuff people came up with, you know? And then, sure. Boy, if we can go through there and just rake through a bunch of those cartoons and say we're gonna make a series out of that, 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 and start off with that and, and just make them I think it'd be fantastic. It would, it would, it would be, be sort of a potpourri show, you know, uh, with all these different things. Yeah. But but that was the great thing about Cal Arts. I I think with Cal Arts, it was you got out of it what you put into it. Uh, and the resources were there and, and the incredible instructors were there. I mean, we were, we were lucky because we were, we had a lot of the, uh, 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 legends, you know, the original guys that, that had worked at the Disney studios who were, were retired, but they were teaching, giving back to, to the next generation. Yeah, look at guys like T.E., you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Thornton E., T.E., and, 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 and Jack, uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Hanna. Hanna and yeah. Prey, you know, and uh, Elmer Plummer. And, Plummer. And, uh, and, and, Ken, what is it, Ken O'Connor? Yeah, uh, he was there after, doing, the, doing, after I graduated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But we were so fortunate. You're right, Dave. You know, mm-hmm. we had these great guys that worked with Walt and all these, uh, mm-hmm. and they worked with Ward Kimball and, and then it's just like, wow, you know, and all the theories and stuff. And it's like, you know, and, and, and Bill Moore, you know, we had Bill Moore who was. What was from Chenard. He was one of the, uh, yeah, the yeah. original instructor, one of the, you know, great design instructors from, uh, from the Chenard Art Institute. And I, 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 I know to this day, I remember the stuff that he pounded into our heads as far as creating a visual um, how to set your workspace up visually um, it, it, interesting. Uh, I remember more of his stuff, I believe, than anybody from day to day. You know what I mean? When I'm saying, yeah, up, com- com- just that. composition, just the basic stuff like small, medium, and large shapes. And that and was our use- first project. Yeah. yeah. And using the negative space and all of those kinds of things. I mean, you know, it, that stuff was pounded into our heads in, in a somewhat fearful slash comical way, right? Yeah. Be- because every week we would pin up a, a, a project, you know, the weekly project onto the bulletin board and he'd walk along with a cigarette in one hand and his cigarette lighter in the other hand. Right. And he would have his little cigarette and goes, yeah, you know, he, he always had this gesture of, all right, go ahead, get back and, and do your crummy little animated cartoons. Okay, go ahead. 
<laughs> he was a real character. He really he was. was. But he was brilliant, though. Absolutely he was. He, he absolutely knew uh, design and composition and uh, just all of that stuff that, you know, we've all used throughout our entire careers. And taught us stuff, you know, African mask, how Af African culture and all that early stuff and, 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 uh, you know, taking colored paper and making 3D, you know, African mask and with, with great design of, of, of things that we can apply to what we're designing, you know, and yeah. it's, it's, it, the, like him, we had brilliant people that we were so fortunate. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, I have to say there, uh, that a lot of folks that learned from those people are now today out in the world at different art institutes, mm -hmm. you know, paying that forward, teaching that uh, uh, those theories and, and, and passing that information on to the next generation. Speaking of which, yes. what, what would, what advice would you give to any of the, um, you know, anybody out there who's thinking of possibly going into animation or going into an animation program? Um, my advice to them would be to go to law school. Well, no, I'm joking. Well, yeah, go to, yeah, go to Harvard Law School. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but listen, it's it's not rocket science, right? And Harvard's not rocket science either. So they're about the same. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what? Whoever inspires you, um, see. I always went to the people, to the artists that inspired me, and learned from them. In the early days, I, I learned by copying a lot of how they drew and yeah. and techniques to come up with, which turned eventually into our own individual styles. You know what I mean? It's not sure. You don't want to become them, but you want to know what makes them tick. You know what I mean? So that you create your style. So as an individual artist and animator, and I believe that whatever we all draw, we have a piece of us that is recognizable that we know who did that artwork. You know what I mean? And oh, absolutely. I, 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 I mean, wouldn't you agree that uh, uh, artwork is, is almost like a fingerprint. You, you yes. it's unique to the artist and we, we can, we can look at drawings. I think you, 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 you can do this as well as I can. We can look at stuff and go, Oh, so-and-so did that drawing. You're right. You know, yep. uh, and, and you can just tell, I mean, I, I can distinguish some, some of the uh, the drawings uh, by some you know great Disney artists uh, just by looking at the drawing, nobody telling me and going that looks like it's probably you know a Hank Porter or that looks like it could be a Milk Call drawing, you know. Exactly right, Dave. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're you're so right, and it's the fingerprint thing. I had someone tell me a couple of days ago. They said Jeff, speaking of the wrapping stuff, they said. We want to see more of your paintings of Radfink. We want to, you know, buy your Radfink stuff and want you to do all that. And um, they said to me, no matter what you draw and paint, we know you did it. And yeah. that just proves to me uh, that, that I've created a style um, yeah. that evolves. It, your styles evolve over time. Sure. And it becomes highly personal. I mean, you may start out like when you're in grade school or high school, you know, copying 
people that you admire, but that's part of your learning curve and your learning process. You're exactly right. That's part of learning, you know, reading Mad Magazine. Look, seeing how Jack Davis and Mort Drucker and these guys, Mad Magazine was our Bible too, you know what I mean? And Harvey Kurtzman and these guys, you know, I learned more about drawing hands from Jack Davis than I think a lot of people look at Jack Davis as, you know, he was so dynamic and so um, animated, okay? And it's, it's, it's going to all that stuff and looking at attitudes of stuff. Even Charlie Brown, Charles Schultz, Charles Schultz was one of my first, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and just the acting attitude and the cleverness that underlies some of it, that some people don't pick up on that, but see what is part of the artists that have done it and what they're trying to communicate as you're looking at their work. You know what I mean? But that affects all of us so much. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, you know, now that I, doing a lot of fine art and, you know, I'm a big Bob Ross fan too. Yeah. Yes. Bob Ross. In fact, I think you may have posted something where you said you were doing happy clouds. Yes, I did. And uh, I I have stuff that I've managed to, what's happened is is a lot of his technique that I, I know what my techniques are, but, you know, I learned a lot, you know, by doing, how he handles trees and how he handles the water and this and that, but somehow it leaves his world and becomes my world. You know what I of mean? Of course. But, absolutely. But, but that's part of our evolution of um, artistry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, that's how I feel about that, you know? And um, oh, it's just, it's, it's great. It's really great. And Picasso couldn't find his way. That was his frustration. You know, I've, I've done a lot of study on Picasso. MC Escher's big inspiration of mine. Yeah. Um, um, Peter Max is a huge inspiration of mine. Uh, Edward Hopper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm getting more into more color now too. And, sure. you know, people like color and excitement and stuff. But you know, it's, it, it, it comes, it all comes around and it's just like, you know, you you keep finding yourself, no matter how much older you're getting, or as I say, how much younger we're all getting, we're all finding. We, we keep I, finding ourselves more and more, Dave. I, I, I'm, I, I tend to say um, uh, uh, my, my mind is young. My body may be aging, but my mind is young. Yeah, definitely. I just can't eat the amount of cheese I used to, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So if if somebody was going to go into uh, the animation uh, business today, Mm -hmm. uh, what what would you tell them right off the bat? Learn all you can. Stay humble. um, Be inspired by what other people are doing around you. And um, stay grounded. Yep. Keep stay grounded and humble. That's yeah. that, that's the one thing. Um, I've never changed that from the day I've worked, even pumping gas in Jersey in the mid seventies. You know, stay humble, treat everyone with respect. It's mutual respect, and you know you will get more back from people around you, and you will um, your the things you're inspired with will they'll come back to you and. Um, People will love to work with you all the time if you just stay yourself and don't try to think that you know everything and just yeah. learn, learn, and learn. That's all in animation or any business. It's just simple business. It's 
but people forget all of that and you know uh don't get intimidated you know know that you know don't be intimidated by things like i can't i can't you can you definitely can okay and it's still stuff that i teach myself to this day too you know but that's for people who want to enter the business so networking is beautiful that's a whole nother conversation is how to network you know and how how to use the social media for networking and um how to do it properly you know mm-hmm. and that's that that's a whole nother deal i used to teach that at, at nickelodeon about 10 years on networking for the industry yeah but that's another thing so it's it's uh, you know get along with everyone just say there's no one in this industry that i would not work with or i can't work with i can work with you all you know what i yeah, mean and yeah. just um, don't become prima donnas and i think i think becoming a prima donna is your fastest way out of the business exactly right you know yeah you know and be cool and groovy man just yeah. be cool and just Nice. I, you know, I, I, I have to say, um, uh, to me, uh, uh, there's always somebody nipping at your heels. There's always somebody better than you in the business. Yeah, there is. And, and you have to keep, you have to keep that in your mind. Yeah. Because you're working up the ladder, you know, you're trying to get better and better. But as my dad always said, you know, as you're going up the ladder, you're going to pass those people as they're heading down. And that's what happens. Yes. A lot of times. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but you know what? You just got to just stay cool and just try to learn what you can. And we're multi, be multi, try to be multitask if you can do, you know what I mean? I can take care of that. And, this. and don't think that you know how to do everything. You're not perfect at everything. Okay. And nobody is a jack of all the trades and keep yourself open. That's all I have to say. Well, those are words of wisdom, my friend. And Jeff, I want to, I want to thank you so much for being on the Skull Rock podcast with us this week. And it was great seeing you. Uh, please give my best to Julie, your wife. I will. I will. Uh, and I know you're, uh, you're a grandpa. I am now. Yeah, Jacqueline. Um, uh, we had our first grandson about a year and a half ago and expecting a second at oh. the end of the year. Fantastic. Congrats. Well, congratulations on that. My best to you and the entire family. And thank you so much for being on the show. And you too, Dave, and, you know, to Nancy and the girls and all that. And, uh, you know, it's great seeing you in person. Al, it's wonderful meeting you in person here. And you're a great guy. And I enjoyed talking with you too. And uh, it was a pleasure and it was a privilege being on uh, on, on this podcast, okay, and on, on Skull Rock. And um, I would look forward to joining you guys anytime, any 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 at any time again in the future okay we will do it again i promise you that that sounds great to me okay guys take care and may the force be with us all the time and (laughs) i know what continued success to everybody to everybody and to you thank you your attention please (laughs) now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. 
another great interview, Dave. Absolutely. I, I, I love Jeff. You know, Jeff was, you know, like I said, one of the, one of the first people I, I got to know at CalArts when I was up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a really funny guy, very talented guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's just doing so much stuff and it was great having him on. Absolutely. Can you believe we are in August just about now? I mean, this is the last one for July. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I mean, we're, we're fast approaching our first anniversary. Yeah. We're also fast approaching the anniversary for Walt Disney World, too. I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's just there's so much happening this uh, the, the this last half of the year. I yeah. mean, it, it's craziness. Care to tease any upcoming uh, guests we may be having? You know, I have to tell you, uh, we have some incredible guests coming up. Uh, we've got Bob Camp, uh, Ren and Stimpy, director, uh, uh, co-creator. I mean, he's he's just a wild man. I can't wait to have him on. Uh, Chris Montan, uh, former president of Walt Disney Music, is joining can't us. Wait. Yep. Uh, we've got Don Hahn coming up. Yeah, I'm. You know, we we've just got so many great people. It's I, I just can't wait for uh, every week because we get to talk to these fabulous people. Absolutely. Hey, and we want to make sure you check in with us every single week. You know, new episodes of the show drop every Monday morning, so be sure to subscribe wherever you find podcasts and tell your friends to subscribe as well. We would appreciate that one hundred and ten percent. Uh, you can also send us those emails once again, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon at SkullRockPodcast.com. Dave, any final words? Well, as always, Al John, I just want to say peace and love to all of our listeners. Uh, go out and have a great week. Be kind to one another and uh, just be careful. This uh, Delta variant is really, really kicking it up. Uh, people are starting to get sick again. It's spreading like wildfire out here in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, trust the science, get the vaccine, uh, be safe, uh, wear a mask. And we look forward to having you back again next week right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times so they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next disney cruise disney park trip adventures by disney they can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com I'm Kristen Hetzel, co-host of Dining at Disney Podcast. Every week I chat about dining at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort and Disney Cruise Line with my fellow foodie, Bubba. 
We also feature restaurants and food reviews, information to help you plan your dining, Disney food news, recipes, and a monthly panel discussion. Visit DiningAtDisney.com and subscribe to Dining at Disney Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. Dining at Disney Podcast, the happiest plate on earth. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host a Disney List podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Source Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, The Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.